0: Question, are you being the person who God made you to enjoy for himself, for yourself and for others? Cool question, cool podcast with a cool host. This is the Being Becky podcast with Becky Hennessy.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Becky Hennessy and welcome to another episode of Being Becky. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy day to listen to the podcast. Today's topic is life after the pain of great loss. And to help guide us through this subject is my guest and friend, Cherry Irvin. Cherry, I'm so glad that you are with me today. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. (laughs) We've done a lot together. You've um, been with me in the chaplaincy for the Dallas Wings. You um, also kind of took over a lot of the chaplaincy for the girls' basketball team at South Oak Cliff, mm-hmm. and we've done women's ministry together. Mm-hmm. So we've had we've done some life together, a lot of women's ministry. So we're going to talk about some different subjects, but. Th- Why don't you just start off? I don't know a whole lot about your childhood and your teen years. Just kind of give us a quick background about where you came from and your family
0: growing up. Well, I'd like to say we were upper poor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am um, the youngest of five, all girls. Um, my dad was a minister, then a pastor, um, but um, he worked full-time. He had three jobs, and my mom um, worked for Safeway, and uh, they called me like the Safeway baby because um, I was born when she started working, uh, and she worked throughout, you know. Uh, me growing up, so I was like the Safeway baby. Um, our life was like typical. We were Southern Baptists, so typical S- Southern Baptists, um, very strict. I think because I was the youngest, it kind of um, eased up. But there, like, we had to wear dresses, or my sisters did. Um, there was church on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday night Bible study. Um, there's Sunday night BTU—that's Baptist Training Union Union for us non-Baptists. <laughs> And then um, there was choir practice, so it was pretty much, you know, eat, sleep, repeat church. Um, What is unique is that I watched my mom. um, She was raised uh, African Methodist Episcopal, so very prim, proper. Um, She was a fantastic host, so I watched her host, you know, missionary uh, parties and women at the home. So we were very well taken care of, very uh, staunched, starched, dressed. So it was, um, we looked a certain way. We looked the part of pastors, kids, and, and first lady. Um, but our lives outside of a church look very differently. Mm. And so um, that's probably been my biggest challenge, even going into a Is 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 finding, like, where's the real cherry? Mm-hmm. And how do I want to show up? Because I was kind of groomed and trained on how to show up Wow. and you know um, how to speak how to walk how to present yourself and then at home it's you know all rules are off and it's something different so that was probably my biggest challenge but um yeah that's that's me as a, a preacher's kid
1: all right we have a similar backgrounds in the fact that we're both preacher's kids and no pants that kind of thing but I don't can you tell me a little bit about what you mean without disrespecting your family too yeah. much? Can you tell that it was different in home what you what you're referring to?
0: You you you're trained or you're brought up um, to love the word of God, to love the Bible, to not only love it but be followers and doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, that was the expectation of that's what I understood it to be, but at home, you know, my dad would be there on Sundays, but Sunday night, I didn't know where my dad was. Okay, and so that was off and on for several years, and sometimes you know it would level out, but there would be times where I didn't know where my dad spent the night. Mm. Um, and so it's that I have to put on this face because we're a happy family at church, but at home I'm like, you know, it's storming outside. Where is dad? Is mm-hmm. he safe? Mm-hmm. And so you grow up with this anxiety or, or this false sense of security. And with me, I think it's reflected on my challenge of seeing God as a father, mm. and as a good, good father, because um, because of just my upbringing and the dichotomy got of it, it all. Yeah. 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 Okay, I got it. Thank you for sharing that. That's um,
1: a lot of people turn away from the church, yeah. and um, and yet you did did or did not.
0: I did not. I did not. I I rebelled a little bit. Okay. I was in high school. I danced. So I danced um, all of my high school career, probably for about five years, really. All of my high school career. You went
1: to actually an art school? I
0: went to Booker T. Washington here in Dallas for four years. Funny story is during that time, magnets were big. And my mom being brought up poor, she wanted just something better for her daughters. And so she she kind of said, you're all going to magnets. You're going to get a trade, and you're going to get a good job. You're going to get an education, and you, you get a good job. And so my first, uh, my middle sister, she went to... Um, business magnet you know was wonderful in banking and she got a banking job and then my sister right next to me she went to health because she was going to be a nurse and so my mom's looking at me and she's like what are you going to do when i'm like i'm going to dance and she's like no cherry you're not going to dance <laughs> dance um that will not bring you money um you're not going to dance and i'm like i'm going to dance and so i remember filling out the application without her approval um getting a letter um with the dates for the audition Riding the bus downtown to the audition. Now, mind you, I've never danced a day in my life before this. What? Never took a, a, a ballet lesson, a tap dance lesson. I've never danced a day in my life, ever. But I was like, I saw uh, the Nutcracker on Channel 13 one Saturday. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do that. So I did it. I went to the audition. I didn't have ballet slippers. I had a leotard we got from a Goodwill store and a pair of shorts. And I auditioned. And I got in.
1: No way. I, got, I know, right? <laughs> God is faithful. Wow. So you went four years to Booker T. I went
0: four years to Booker T. And the first year they were like, Cherry, um, they called my mom in and said, maybe you should find her somewhere else to go. I don't think this is, she set out for this. And I remember this, and this holds true to me today, is that she said, you don't get to tell my daughter what she can be what i will not take her out. so of she the switched sides now yes. she was going to defend you right and she she was like no i will not move her she's going to do this and i did and i went further on to get scholarships um and there's a plaque at the school right now with my name on it for choreography Come on. so um it's a testament of really the faithfulness of god first um the words of a praying mom mm and the strength that she gives mm-hmm. and that will give you the tenacity to do whatever is in your heart to do.
1: So good. So yeah, so good. There's that yeah, I see that strong-willed streak in yeah, you that I'm when you rebellious. make uh, a <laughs> when you make your mind up. No, not rebellious, but just uh, you're going to when you know you want something you're going to move heaven and earth to get it, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do for it. you, for your family, for your children. Right. Right. For, you know, for your friends, you, that's the kind of friend you are. Yeah. So I'm going to do it.
0: So, okay. um, so that kind of helped me with the struggle of seeing like the, the older you get, the more you realize something's not quite right with what I'm being preached to and what I'm reading. And I've always loved the word and what I'm experiencing at home. So I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. Mm. Um, and so my test scores were so low, that I couldn't get any, into the, any of the colleges that I applied for. But the summer before, I got in a scholarship and the professors liked me. So they offered me a full ride um, to Michigan State University. But my mom said, you don't know anyone in Michigan. <laughs> I don't know anyone in Michigan and you're 17. Mm. It's a no. Mm. And so she said, you can go to community college. And at that point, I just felt like failure. So I said, I'm not gonna do community college so I did I did it for like a semester and then I signed up for the military <laughs> that,
1: that's what i one of my questions
0: how did a dancer with four years of high school dancing end up in the military again that just streak of going I this is not what I want to do this is not there's more for me I feel it I can feel it there's more for me I want something more and so I signed up and I had sworn in twice before my parents knew I had signed up for the army girl yeah. So, what was that? What uh, was that like? The military. Uh, the military was like waking up and realizing you may be in hell. I okay. think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Initially, I was like, I have lifted up my eyes and I am in hell. You know, from going from very, being very prim and proper and dancing to bugs and the field and weapons and camo and people telling you when to get up and when to go to sleep and all of that. Um, it was quite in yelling. It was quite different. Um, but I found that once I kind of said, okay, this is a head game and they're really wanting me to succeed. And if I could just lean into it, Mm. I'm going to win. So good. And so uh, that's what I did. Uh, I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going home. I'm going to win. And so, um, I, I survived. Um, I passed basic. Then I went on to, you know, AIT or school. And then I did permanent party. So I did six years.
1: Okay, six years.
0: Yeah, so um, it was wonderful. It taught me discipline. Mm -hmm. It taught me how to speak up for myself. Um, It taught me how to lead Uh, attention to detail is Mm -hmm. the word I'm looking for. So it taught me to be very discerning. I think it maybe I've already had that gift, Mm -hmm. but it amped it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. You
1: let it bring out the good.
0: Uh, yeah I tried to
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome so skipping I don't know how much of your life to you're married it wasn't an easy marriage was it
0: no it was it was very it was it was difficult mm-hmm. to be honest like from the onset it was a lot of loss and disappointment mm-hmm. um, we were pregnant and we we lost um, two children mm. and then we ended up moving back to Dallas but um, yeah, it was very, it was very, very um, challenging. Just I, d- a I didn't know
1: that. You had had two
0: miscarriages. Wow, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So just a lot of loss back to back to back. Um, a lot of emotional healing going, you know, from my breakup from this long relationship that wasn't dealt with. Mm-hmm. I brought that into relationship. Mm-hmm. So a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So you've got two broken people. Mm-hmm. Um who were trying to become one,
1: trying to make it work, but trying it was hard. It, it was right. not the
0: marriage that you dreamed about. No, so it was, not. it was just so hard. So, but God did bless you with two beautiful girls. Yes. Um, Haven joy. Um, it's my oldest daughter and Lauren hope. And they're like 14 months apart. They were like my world, mm-hmm. uh, my world. Now we have white picket fence, the dog two two girls. And a spouse and we're leveling out. Mm-hmm. We're trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's issues, there's right. concerns uh, really on both parts, but we think we're, we're, we're trying to make this it. This is
1: your life and you're going to make it good because right. you're
0: determined to do that. Cause you, I'm determined to do you it.
1: Succeed at what you do. So. Right. And
0: that's what I saw my mom did. She right. struggled through right. like a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. She just did. It's like mm-hmm. divorce is not an option. Mm. Mm-mm. It's, it's just not an option. You just, you make it work. So uh, you're you're a businesswoman. You're working for... I'm working for the bank. Okay. I am taking care of my girls. Um, I'm just doing life. You're making it work. All. I'm making it work. I'm making mm-hmm. it work. And um, we just ran into some more challenges. There were, like, surprises after surprises. There were trust issues, and there were just things that he was dealing with. Not, not that he was, like, stepping out of the marriage or indiscretions, but there were things or... Um, I just was like, I don't know if I can live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a family reunion. And he was like, do you want to go? And I was like, no, I think I'm going to stay. His family reunion. His family reunion. I think I'm going to stay. I need to think about it. I need to think uh, about where we are and what we're doing. You take the girls because they've never seen your family. Um, They they need to meet your side. And um, I'm going to stay home. So 10 days later. He called me and said they were on their way back to Atlanta. They went from Atlanta to South Carolina to Myrtle Beach to vacation there, and then I got a phone call um, to call my brother-in-law. When I finally got a hold of them, um, they said that, that it had been an accident and um, and they were working on the car. And immediately, initially, it was just there's just been an accident. I just thought, oh, Steve, yeah. one more thing, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you can't. Keep a job down. Like, you keep, you know, all of these things. It's just one more thing. A fender bender. That's one more one more thing we need on our insurance is, you know, an accident. But okay. I wasn't in a panic. Um, I wasn't in anything. I just thought, oh, Steve, right? There's been an accident. I, I didn't think anything else. And the next call, um, they said that they were working on Steve and um, Haven, and um someone else had lauren and i knew that haven had asthma so i thought mm-hmm. oh the excitement she just gone into an asthma attack so she was having difficulty breathing is what they said and i said okay and so now i'm starting to get anxiety cuz my baby something's going on with mm-hmm, my baby mm-hmm. and i'm getting a little bit concerned and then the final phone call i picked up and they were like where's your sister and i'm like she's next to me why like They're like, hand her the phone. And so they're talking to my sister, and I'm trying to read her face, and it's blank. Like, it's just blank. It's not sadness. It's not smiles. It's not, it's nothing. And she hangs up, and I go, what is it? And she's like, Steve didn't make it. And then I was like, where is Havy? And she said she didn't either. And... That sort of just broke me, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. So began the life
1: after the accident, the life without... Steve and Haven. Haven. Um, So you went from a family of four to a family family of of two. So you get in the
0: car and you go get Lauren. I get in the car. I get on a flight. Okay. I get on a flight and I'm charged with telling Lauren because they have not told her. Mm -hmm. And she's asking where her best friend is. Mm -hmm. How old is Lauren at this time? Um, Lauren's five. Haven is six. Haven just turned six. So she's asking, where's her sister? Where's her dad? I'm like, how am I going to tell my daughter? Um, A five-year-old. Where a five-year-old can understand so I get in the room, and, of course, I hug her because she's sustained injuries as well. And I say the doctors tried to work on Daddy and Havy because they were broken, and um, but they couldn't, and they're in heaven. And she looked at me, and she said, but I didn't get to say goodbye. Mm. And so with her five little year old mind, she understood the finality of death and heaven and what it understood. And at that point, I was most grateful. And really, I still am that of what other things that Steve left them, because he was a hands on dad, he was a wonderful father. And he talked to them about death and heaven, in in ways that they their little minds could understand. And I, I tell her often, the one thing your dad left you, which is irreplaceable is the fact that you were loved and And you know it yeah, and you know it. Yeah. And so she understood right away what that meant. And so we gathered ourselves as best we could. Um, I took care of business there in South Carolina. We flew back, we buried them and um, we tried to pick up the pieces of our lives. Do you think um, that, God was so gracious to you and that
1: he let you have Lauren, I mean, what would you have done without Lauren? Do you think that you would have had the fight to keep going every day? I mean, I think that um, when I watch you and I think about this, I didn't know you at the time, but... Um, Lauren had to be your reason to get out of bed every morning,
0: right? She yeah, she absolutely was. She was my reason. Her name is Lauren Hope. Her middle name is Hope. Yeah. Um, Haven's middle name was Joy, mm. and so I was like, God, I feel like my joy's been taken, but you left me hope, and so I can, I can, I can do it. If you help me, I can do it, and I'm gonna live for her. Um, I didn't stop. Honestly, oh, I took a week off. The services and for business, and I was back at work, which is the worst mistake I could have ever, you know, looking back in hindsight. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, at the time, I was like, I got to keep moving. If I stop, I'm gonna die. If I stop, I'm gonna implode. If I stop, I'm gonna go dark, and I can't go dark. I have a baby to take care of.
1: But the grieving process must serve its time. It must be given what it deserves, right? Absolutely. Grief, yeah. So
0: it's it, it'll it wait, yeah. you know, it's going to be there. <laughs> it'll still
1: be there. It'll wait. It's, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Mm, and so, cherry.
0: yeah, you, you have to take the steps to grieve. Um, you can delay it by months, weeks, years, but you have to take the steps. It'll be mm. waiting for you. And so amazingly enough, I have a wonderful support group around me. And so we started um, all types of therapy very early on with Lauren, um, together, just really trying to walk it through. But I think the most important thing I did just as a mom was talk. Mm-hmm. I let her see me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, I let her see me sad. Um, I've let her talk about her sadness. Um, and so we, we were just, we, we stay connected. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, knowing Lauren, you, did an amazing oh, job. Thank you. With the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. The most beautiful, kind hearted. Is she 18, 19, 20? She's 18. 18 years she's old. A, she's a <laughs> freshman at
0: uh, University of uh, North Texas in Denton. And her and major, what does she want to do? She's graphic design. Mm. So she's, in, she's another creative. Yeah, so she's she a is. Split between <laughs> me and her dad. So good. Well,
1: You know, we could stay here and talk about this for so long because so many people are grieving some kind of loss, whatever. But um, life keeps going. It keeps going. Life keeps going. And this story about uh, Richard, I love this story, you guys. I mean, like, I hate to just
0: kind of leave, like, walk away from this grief.
1: But Richard...
0: Showed up pretty soon. Show, Richard showed up pretty quick because I was moving pretty quick. Okay, you guys. I was like, I... You were just going to move on. You were not going to stop and... Mm-mm, I wasn't going to stop and, and, and just... Uh, I had an aunt to go, just pray that the Lord will keep you. Mm-hmm. And then I like, think she wanted me to wear black for the rest of my life mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be a widow for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to be a widow. I don't think I... I don't, I don't want to wear black. Mm-hmm. Um, I like colors. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah I was like I'm gonna keep moving and so we kind of settled in um and then um I was like I think I just want to just talk to someone I just want to meet people yeah so uh, I told you I have four sisters yeah so this is like a group effort I love this okay you're gonna y'all this is the
1: best story I love this I want some sisters like this (laughs) we're
0: gonna meet people so I got on eHarmony and this this is not a what do they call it? A when commercial. Commercial. This is not a commercial. Right. This is not sponsored. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. So we got on Eat Harmony and I just filled out the app and I met, I think he might have been the second person that I met. And I just kind of looked and I go, I don't think he's my type. Like, mm-mm. He's not the artsy type. No, no, he wasn't <laughs> the artsy type. I'm short. I'm little. I was like looking for more like the football player. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just mm-hmm. had this type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my sister was like, no, he looks like a nice guy. We did the the, the harmony thing. We didn't skip, which kind of took our time talking and getting to know each other. And he passed all the tests. Now, ladies, if you're out there, the test is if they're asking um, sexual questions. then it's probably, that's probably a red flag. So we didn't get into any, in, any of that dialogue. Um, so we passed the test. And then he gave me his number and said, if you ever like to talk, here's my number. And um, I called him. We talked. For like forever that day and then he asked if we could have coffee okay. and so he parked in the he parked in, in such a way that he could see me come in okay. and I not see him because he was like, well, if she's not who she says <laughs> in the photo, I'm going to leave, right? Because, like, I guess he'd had some trouble before. Sure. <laughs> so then we had lunch, then we had coffee, and then we were pretty much inseparable. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about um, Richard and the story is that he just didn't date me. He dated mm. Lauren. Mm-hmm. And so when he brought me roses, he brought her roses. Mm. When, he, when we went to steak dinners, Lauren was at the steak dinners, and so was his son. Um, and so... It was this beautiful kind of, I'd say, natural progression of things. But he always, like, kept her in mind that this was a package deal. So good. Mm-hmm. So this good. was a package deal. That's
1: because he is the best guy ever.
0: He's a good guy. God was gracious to you. He was very gracious. He was. He is such a good guy that, remember when we talked about, like, grief is going to wait on you? Like, Richard, watch me grieve. Mm, he... he You
1: needed Richard. That's why it happened so fast, because you needed Richard there for you as you walked through the grieving process, I believe. and so
0: it was a safe place for Lauren. It was also a safe place for me, Um, and he was just an honorable man to watch me grieve over my former husband, over my daughter, all of it, all of the mood swings, all of Mm -hmm. it. He was there for it, so he really was a godsend, but I tell people don't do this at home, folks. Yeah, you know, don't use me as the prototype. But God yeah. is faithful, yeah. and He knows exactly what you need.
1: Nobody's story is perfect. Everybody's story has got. I wish I'd done it different, or I wish I could go back, but you don't. You just walk through it as you go, and you've you've done well, and God's been with you, walking with you. It's, it's so obvious. So fast forward, um, you show up at the church. Uh, on foster parenting yeah tell me about how did that connect with you and Richard
0: oh it's crazy so you know Lou Ingles Lou on the stage and Laura's Ara's on the stage and Lou's rocking and he's just saying if we're going to ask women not to abort their babies then we as Christians need to stand in the gap and that sort of hit me and honestly we had not thought about fostering or adopting because he had a son I had a daughter we, per- we we're like hey we, we're good mm-hmm. um we don't want it. You know, we, we were like, we're good as a family. I, I think we're set. Oh, I couldn't have any more children. And so we were set. Um, but that day, God spoke to us both really separately. And I'm sort of one that leaves with my heart mm-hmm. and emotion. And Richard is one that it is, it needs to make sense. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, it's very intellectual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With his, like, he's going to count up the costs really. Right. That's good. And so when I got home and we got in bed, I'm like, Richard, I think God is telling us to foster. And he goes, me too. Mm. and so immediately that was October we went right into it um we and Lauren was on board because she thought she was getting a baby Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) she was ready to have a little baby she thought (laughs) we were getting a baby um
0: we we went through it and the weekend after we um finished the course we got a call and said we have two little girls would you like to do emergency respite and we said yes we said yes to that and then a few weeks later they asked if we would like to be permanently placed with them um, for foster care we said yes so fast very very quickly my life just seems to go very yeah, yeah. Like I was gonna say
1: this is a pattern here
0: it's a pattern <laughs> um, we said yes um, they did a, a, a you know a very speedy home home um, study and then they were placed with us uh, permanently uh, we were licensed and then they said um, would you like to adopt and so we went our six months of um, really I I lack of better term I say consummation. Basically it's the six months you have to go before you can start the adoption proceedings. Mm-hmm. And so we went that and then, but we knew it from the beginning that we were going to adopt these two little girls.
1: So tell me about the two little girls. Um,
0: their names are Caitlin faith and Gianna grace. Mm. And they, um, Oh, I think I'm going to choke up again. Mm. <laughs> they breathed new life into me, mm-hmm. um, into our home. And, um, and to me and people go, Oh, you know, you must be great to foster, but God gave them to me Mm. for more healing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so I think from almost a year to date they were fully adopted and we had changed their names Mm -hmm. and they were part of our family. So we went from a family of, let me go three or four, um, to now a family of six Mm -hmm. last mother's day. Um, you shared
1: the stage with me and you shared a truth about women, about friendships. I notice you, I follow you, I watch you and your friendships mean a lot to you. You know, um, would you just teach us this teaching and explain, um, what was so powerful at that moment on that mother's day that, um, of this truth that we need to get out to the women. There's women listening and, um, we we need what this
0: word teaches us. So, would give us a little Bible study here, right. would you? <laughs> I do a Bible study without my notes, but okay. I'm excited. This has been transformative in my own life. Um, so, when you look at Proverbs 31, and Pastor Becky called me and was like, "Cherry, I want you to, you know, share the stage and talk about Proverbs 31." And I was like, "Uh, like." No, thank you.
1: I hate that. Proverbs I hate 31. Woman. I,
0: <laughs> like, I don't Like, who is she? She
1: doesn't exist in my right. life. <laughs> she,
0: um, this faceless woman mm-hmm. um, that I've been taught about for my entire life and really have looked up maybe in awe and really in awe and then also of like, I can never be her. Right. So in shame as well. Like, I don't, who is she? I don't know um, who she is and how does this woman do all of these things. And so when I began to study about it, I'm like, okay, well, we'll give it, we'll give it a shot. I began to study. And the one word that stuck out was um, who can find a virtuous woman? And the word virtuous um, really leads to purity and just the basic sense of oh you're, you're thinking, who can be this this woman who was good, right? But there's so much uh there's so much depth to the word. And when when trans when translated in Hebrew, the word is ishet, Hayil, and I hope I'm doing my, my Southern accent is doing it justice. But Ishet Hayil, who can find an Ishet Hayil? Who can find a woman of valor? Mm. And so when you put valor. In front of it. it, it's a whole nother different feeling and commenta- connotation than virtuous, right? right? There's so much color to it. Um, I often say it gives imagery to the scripture. Who can find this woman of valor? Of And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That sounds more like me. She's powerful. The word um, inside of there, it's, when you unpack it, it, it's a woman, a warrior, um, a, a, a valiant woman, a woman who is, has ability, who is able, a woman of wealth, Um, a woman of stealth, a woman of influence. So you get this one word, virtuous, and then when you unpack it, you get all of these words that bring color. Um, It's so beautiful. Also, I began to study and find out, Well, okay, does this woman have a face? And she absolutely does. And one example out of many in the Bible is Ruth. Come she's on. our first example of the Ashet HaKail. and she is the the woman that actually was called exactly that by Boaz. Uh, when we look at it, I'm I'm not using my notes, but when we when we look at Ruth, and I believe chapter three verse eleven, he calls her that, and he says. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you basically whatever you want because the people in my town know that you are in a shit kayo. And I'm like, whoa. So when we look at about the teaching and about the laundry list of things you got to be to be this virtuous woman, she was called a virtuous woman not really because uh, before she was a wife, before she was a mother. She was known as a virtuous woman in a shit kayo. And um, she was blessed because of that. She was honored by the people in town, by her influence. She was called this. And so that's what I really want to tell women is that you don't have to be married or domesticated or can cook a good roast and potatoes or can clean a house to be called in a shit. Kyle, it's so unpacked. Um, I look at it three ways, and then I'm gonna stop and breathe. But it's about pursuit. If you look at the story of Ruth. She pursued Naomi. Um, she pursued, she says, your people will be my people. I will not leave. I will go back with you. And so it's, it's, an, it's the next level beyond the intimacy of just knowing God and, and loving God. It's pursuing him. So it's that that pursuit of God that makes you shet kayo. Mm. It's also the position, your position, how you position yourself. She positions herself in such a way of, I'm going to lay at um, Boaz's feet and ask for him to cover me. So it's it's us positioning ourselves in front of the father. And he already says in his word that he will cover us with his wings. That to me stood out. It's so beautiful that God already says it. I don't even have to ask. He says he's going to cover me. Mm. And not only positioning, but it's our posture. And that posture looks like humility. To every woman who is listening to this
1: podcast, we do. I come alongside Cherry and I say, Yeshet Kyle, over you in the name of Jesus. You are a woman of valor. You are a woman who is exactly who God created you to be. You are exactly the woman not by any standard by of man but by God himself he speaks over you and say woman of valor arise a woman of val- valor arise and let's what you did Sherry, that that Sunday was you began to call that out of other women you know women calling it out of other women how important is that
0: yeah it's amazing so in the in the Jewish tradition which I, I love history uh, in the Jewish tradition um, on, on, on sabbath so every friday the the men speak this over their wives That's and over the women yes um they speak it so much so that i've talked about it at home so much which is like cherry do you want me to read proverbs 31 <laughs> over you but it's so beautiful and i almost well up when i when i hear it and i've watched it um being done on, on some videos it is such a blessing so they're not they're not they're not saying it because they've done these things they're saying it saying it because this is who you are. This is how we see you. So they empower the women every week. Every week they empower them and bless them with that blessing. And there's an, another tradition where the women, if they do something phenomenal, if they're brave, if they... Um, finish their chemo, if they've gotten over a hard trial, if they've if they've gotten through, if they made a tough decision, the women celebrate them and just say, they shout a shit kail. And it's in our terms, it's you go girl, yeah. you did it. So it's this camaraderie, um, not only between men, women, but it's also the blessing that the men give because they see it. They know that this is who God says that we are in everything that we do and and it becomes manifested because the poem is, it's really a poem and it's prophetic. So, this pro- prophetic prose that is offered. They know it. that when we speak this, when I speak that to you, when I say, kail, Pastor Becky, move and operate in your calling, that I'm prophetically speaking over you every gift that God has put in you. Unpack it. Let it go. A shit, to every woman that is in despair and thinking I cannot make it today. A shit, to every woman who has a family member that is sick, who is struggling with cancer or COVID or is in despair. A shit, to every woman who was abused and thinking, can I get out of this relationship? I speak Ashet Kaiel to every woman who is wanting to start a business. I speak Ashet Khail. It is in you. It is in you. And so I speak prophet- prophetically over you, saying, saying, go forth and do the thing that God has called you to do. Amen. That's powerful. Come on. Let's do that
1: for one another and cheer one another on and speak life over one another. God believes in us. Let's believe in one another. Thank you so much, Jerry. And in closing, I have you here. I need you to be my teacher. Um, this has been a very unique year, 2020. I need you as a black woman to help me today and every woman that's listening just to share What's it been
0: like to
1: be a black woman in 2020?
0: It has been a roller coaster of emotions. It's been sleepless nights. It's been prayer talks with God to go. Can I continue? Um, What's strange is it is even more difficult as being not only a black woman in America, but also a black woman with three black, brown skin babies that I'm trying to raise. Um, I reflect back. I was born in 1970, so there you've got my age. And um, right after all, like, the 1950s and all the race riots, um, and I can remember my mom not ever wanting to watch um, any type of history that had slavery, like roots or any any type of um, things like that. It would upset her. It would make her cry. She refused to watch it. And um, and now I understand why. Um, Back then I didn't have – there wasn't social media. We didn't have access to the kind of visuals. We have access now, so though I have to bear it, but my children have to bear it too. And they're, you know, of age where they can turn on the TV. Um, so it's really hard um, and challenging trying to explain to them why people don't like you just because of the color of your skin. So you you forge ahead. Just like the loss before, I think it's a, it's it's the losing of dignity and and, and, asking, and, and and going to the feet of Jesus and going, no, I am that person. Um, it's the forging of a head. It's the looking for hope. We all can do something. And I, I think I'm going to be fair, okay? I'm going to be fair and say that I don't know what everybody else is dealing with. But if you in community with someone of um, black, brown skin, of another um, race, then Be in community and understand what we're dealing with, what we go through, um, what we have to tell our kids. It's different from what you have to tell your kids. You know, how I feel about my husband when he goes out at nighttime, those kind of fears, and just sit with us. I think it's a lot of conversation. I appreciate the question. I don't even know if I'm even qualified um, to answer the question, but it's just be with us. Yeah, you're very qualified yeah. because it impacts you. I, it's a hard conversation to yeah. have, and I, I'm not on the ra- I'm not on either side of the fence. To be honest, I'm just I'm a mom with that happens to be black, and have black and brown babies, and I'm concerned for their safety. I'm concerned for their mental health. I'm concerned that their friends don't understand. I'm concerned that they, you know, um about it all. But I think it it narrows down to, can we, it narrows down to love. Mm -hmm. Can we love one another? Can we forbear one another? Can we honor one another over ourselves? Do we think about the post before we share it? All of that. And I'm sure there's some fear on the other side. I think it's the the brandishing around love, the gathering around love. That's the word I want to use.
1: So good. People are walking through hard, hard, things in life and it's up to us to walk with love and compassion to love the lord with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you for Thank you. being in my life. I love you so Happy much. <laughs> we got history. <laughs> You're awesome. And just a quick reminder for the being Becky audience, be sure to check the show notes for any links and follow-up information discussed on today's episode. And if you enjoyed listening to my conversations on the podcast and you know others who might enjoy them as well, can you do me a big favor? First of all, subscribe to the Being Becky podcast on your favorite listening platform. Then write a positive review and give it a five-star rating. And finally, be sure to share a link to the podcast on your own social media. All of those actions go a really long way in promoting the podcast to a wider audience. Thanks so much. And remember, new Being Becky episodes release every first and third Wednesday of the month. So keep an eye out for new content and conversations. Until next time, I bless you with the peace and the joy in knowing that you are completely loved.